Welcome to another Principle of Hospitality podcast. I'm your host as always, Sean DeVries. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode. Now, food brings people together and promotes community. And here at Principle of Hospitality, we're here to disrupt the current perceptions of what the hospitality industry can achieve in today's ever-evolving and challenging environment. So that's why we're so proud to partner with Chefs at the largest family-owned and operated hospitality supplier in Australia on this season of Poe. Now, Ben Lipschitz is the co-founder and managing director of Food By Us, Australia's largest online hospitality marketplace that connects restaurants, cafes, and caterers with hundreds of wholesale food and alcohol suppliers. In 2016, he teamed up with Gary and Tim, combining their expertise in hospitality and technology to launch the brand. They have grown their team by 50% in the last 12 months and with 30% month-on-month growth, I'm really happy to talk to Ben today. Hey, Ben, how are you? Hey, how are you, Sean? Fantastic to have you on the podcast, mate. Now, something we've been trying to tee up since the end of last year. So it's been great to get you on for this start of the season. Food by Us is a, is a brand that I've watched pretty closely for the last, especially last year, as we've talked about hospitality tech becoming really important to hospitality venues and thinking about their tech stack and that kind of stuff. But just in the intro there, I talked about Gary and Tim as well. Like, how did you guys actually start business? Yeah, so we have known each other for a lot longer than just our Food by Us days. Gary and Tim were involved uh, with MenuLog and, and I had my own business as well. But we, we met in a data analytics startup where we were for quite a few years and were looking, I guess, at the MenuLog success story, the idea of a marketplace, the idea that many, many consumers can order from many, many restaurants and how good is that? But then when we looked at those restaurants themselves, the way that they were ordering all their wholesale supplies and all their food was just completely broken. Like you cannot believe sort of pen and paper and fax and email and text. It was just all over the place. So um, yeah, we, we sort of were kicking around the idea from within the business that we were at. And then we, we just decided to take the plunge and, and start Food by Us in 2016. How have you sort of set, like I mentioned at the start there, like you guys have grown so much of recent times, like how has it come to be that you have grown that much for a brand that's now, you know, six, coming up to six years old? Honestly, most of 2016 was was coding um, and just, just getting the basics together. And we really didn't even get going, I think, with, with the model that we've got today and what we really want to grow and drive from here until 2018. And it's quite common, I think, in a marketplace that you're building two sides of, well, we want all these restaurants, but the restaurants won't come until the suppliers are on. Suppliers are saying, well, why would I come? You don't have any restaurants. So there's always, I think, a bit of that that slowness in the beginning. But what we're building is a massive highway on on which we want to put many, 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 many vehicles. And so you know, taking a step back, there's 90,000 independent restaurants in Australia. The majority of the hospitality space in Australia is, is independence and not big QSRs like McDonald's and, and so on, who, who we don't work with and we're not designed to service. So you know, how do you build a solution that can handle that many users? It, it takes a while. But then what we see, as you just said, is in the most recent sort of year or two, and, and what we're doing now is just suddenly, boom, it starts really scaling quite, quite well and quite rapidly. Why do you think brands have started to focus on supply chain and really think about it, Ben? Because supply chain is not the sexiest part. Hospitality is not the sexiest part of, you know, hospitality tech, right? Like it's, it's, a, hard, it's a very, very intrinsically important part of hospitality because it, it consumes so much money with inside the brand. Are you seeing with your customers now, like they're coming to you from a standing start, they're not using any kind of marketplaces at all? 
and they're sort of maybe using a fax machine still. Yeah. All of a sudden, they're starting to use food by us. Like, how does it? Why do you think venues are starting to care about supply chain and marketplaces? It, yeah, it's a really, it's a really good question, and you're 100 right. It's not the sexy part of running a hospitality venue. And when we go and see our customers, oftentimes they did not get into running a restaurant or a cafe or a pub or a club because they love procurement and they love supply chains and they love efficiencies on their cost of goods. However, when you actually look at the cost base of your average restaurant, roughly a third of it is rent, which you cannot really fiddle with. Roughly a third is wage cost, which again, is minimum wage requirements and so on. You can't just suddenly underpay people. But the other third is food costs. And somewhere in the middle of that, you've got a very slim profit margin. So when we do actually go to venues and to answer your question, you know, why now is because food costs are often where the profit is made or broken. It's not often the people have started their business focusing on that. Who am I ordering from? Uh, are they giving me good prices? How often do I go to market to check the prices? How efficient is my ordering system? Do I have three chefs all ordering off their own mobile phones and not one knows what the other is ordered. And then the accountant goes to look at the numbers at the end of the month and they don't know who's done anything because all the invoices, you know, they're not yet put in the system and so on and so on and so on in terms of all the potential inefficiencies. So why now? Because restaurants have been under pressure. They realize that they need to improve their bottom line. They realize that whilst it's great to have more revenue, another approach to getting you know, a better bottom line is to also reduce your costs. And where are those costs going to come from? Well, not, not your rent and staff which is you know the two-thirds of it, but probably your food and all the efficiencies you can have with a better procurement system. And that, that's what we're seeing now. Do you find that when restaurants and cafes, pubs and clubs jump on the platform for the first time, are they, they using suppliers that they currently use in their supply chain? Or because this is a marketplace, mm. are they then seeing what else is on offer, switching you know straight away? Or does that sort of behavior take a bit of time from what you can see? It depends. And and. You know, the way our system works is we're a procurement solution for almost. So what that means is we want all your orders in one place. So when we go to see a restaurant, we don't care if they want to add a supplier into the network, which they can easily do, and we help facilitate that order, or they can use one of our preferred suppliers where we have things like group buying prices and a whole bunch of extra benefits if you want to use one of our core range. But that that is step one. Can we get all your orders in the one place so it's not fragmented and you, you've got a good overview on what your venue is ordering. Then some of the behaviors you just said do start to come in a bit later. Maybe you want to switch from your current fruit veg guide to our preferred. You know, we have better pricing or we have a better range or perhaps the truck comes a little bit sooner in the day, which suits the way that you want to prep within your venue. There's a, there's a lot of factors. That kind of behavior comes as they adapt to using our system and as they learn all that Food by Us can do for them. But first and foremost, it's about transparency. It's about time saving. It's about, hey, Let's get all of your 10, 15, 20 suppliers in, in the one spot. That's, that's the core problem we're trying to solve. And, that, and we're the only app that, that really does that. What's the major couple of benefits for a restaurant or cafe, pub or club jumping on board with Food by Us? Is it obviously the ease of like a marketplace and that competition to make sure you can think about pricing? But what, what are a couple of the other benefits? I think the main one is just transparency and understanding who you are ordering from and how often and what you're ordering. And to understand that real time with the cloud-based platform where you can log in as an owner or the chef or the accountant, you'd be surprised how many venues only really understand what their cost of goods were and what they ordered a month later when they're doing the numbers you know, for the prior month. So yeah. transparency is great. And then you can be a lot more nimble in how you want to react to certain prices going up or the seasonality of different goods. So that that's great. So there's a transparent factor. There's a huge time saver. Why 
when you're ordering from 15 suppliers, do you call these three? These other four have their app, but the app only lets you order from them. So it's not much of a time saver. All of these different methods. So there's a lot of time involved. And then I think the third one is absolutely understanding pricing and what's going on in the market. It's not uncommon at all for us to talk to a venue that says, I've been with my meat supplier or fruit veg supplier for years and years and I trust him and I know that he's giving me good pricing because I've worked with him for so long. Typically, those are the ones where the pricing has been inched up on them over years and years. They're not aware. They haven't bothered to do a market comparison and they are just flawed when we show them what we can do for them. That's another key reason. How does it work with suppliers as well? Because obviously, this being a marketplace, you're working with venues, but obviously, you've got Mm. suppliers on there. If we've got people who are supplying the industry, Ben, like how do they engage with you to make sure that they're getting the benefit as well, which is obviously extremely important? Yeah, 100%. So there's two ways suppliers can engage with us. One is they can say, look, I just want to accept orders via food buyers. A venue may have added in that supplier. We don't have a commercial relationship there. And through food buyers, we'll facilitate the order from the venue through to that supplier. And all the supplier has to do is deliver but there's no marketing by us or pushing by us of that supplier they're really more of a passive supplier in the network uh, the benefit for them is really just getting the orders coming sort of in a in a structured easy way and then in it goes to their system the other way suppliers can engage with us is to become what's called a preferred supplier that's where they will load prices into the network hopefully they're pretty good so that they can be you know quite aggressive in, in capturing our thousand plus venues and we're always adding more venues all the time and they engage with our sales team. They engage with our marketing team. And they basically say, hey, I'm not just going to take orders from food buyers. I want to become an active participant in this marketplace, in this network. And in that case, they get a dashboard. They can log in. They can control their presence on the network. They can assign different pricing to different customers, depending on volume, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So that, that I think, is the third way of engaging the food buyers network. But it's not, it's not the only way. At the end of the day, our job is to go between, help the venues put orders through, help the suppliers get their venues, sort of their orders coming in. And if we can work with a core range of preferred suppliers and, and do it in that way, then yeah, that's fine too. Like you said before, like we're talking about, we're talking about the chef ringing up a couple of suppliers, probably mm. texting a couple of suppliers, mm. um, using an app for different, different suppliers as well. Is there any barrier with using Food By Us in regards to brands, suppliers that have their own app? Is it always possible to use food by us with brands that have their own app? Yes. So ultimately, no matter the supplier, whether they have their own app or not, we can facilitate the order between that buyer and that supplier. And you have to keep in mind that from the supplier's point of view, they've issued this one app, you know, or they've used a third party, and there's plenty of them, these guys who facilitate orders between the suppliers and their buyers. But it's always that one-to-one connection. All right. So it's great for the supplier. Instead of getting all their orders from text and they now get it through the app straight into their system, but that's not necessarily what the venue wants. They don't want 15 apps instead of 15 phone calls. That's not a huge time saver for the venue. So when we come in, let's just say they, they've got app relationship with one of their suppliers. We will integrate with that app. We'll take the order, but we'll still funnel it through that app, or we'll find other ways of getting the order from that venue directly to the supplier, again, to, to make it efficient for both sides, but always with the venue first and foremost, and that single place to view 100% of their orders. That's the goal. I didn't realize that. That's amazing. Like that must have been, I imagine that would have been a challenge with some suppliers to sort of bring that through because when you're dealing with <laughs> tech and open APIs and all this kind of stuff, like it's it's not an easy sort of solution or the best of times, right? Um, I think it's 
it's our philosophical approach, I think, to how we want to run this business. We, you know, we, we want to be the Amazon of food service. We want to be that marketplace. So from day one, we have always said to suppliers, okay, yep, you've got your customers, uh, you've got your app. We want to integrate with you. And we want to drop orders straight into your system. And by the way, why don't you let us know your inventory or, or your stock level so we can show that to our buyers. So those sorts of discussions, suppliers have always known, I guess, that's, that's our, our value add in the process. You're right. Some suppliers are, are a little more hesitant than others because in fairness to them, they've got their system, they've got their app, they've invested in a certain level of technology, but ultimately they acknowledge and the buyer tells them yes. that this is a benefit to the buyer. Go out food by us and the venue, both calling the supplier saying, we still want to order from you. Mm. Your supplies are great. Your fish is great. You know, keep delivering. You're not losing the business yet. But the way we order needs to change because that's how this venue is going to run most efficiently. You know, I don't, I don't think it's hard for a supplier to sort of say, well, no, go get your fish from somewhere else. Yeah. Especially when food by us is in the middle saying it's so easy to integrate with us. Some of those discussions, I think, like anything, you're disrupting an industry. And so there are times where you've got to kind of work and educate those who are involved. But philosophically, everyone in hospitality, buyers and suppliers knows Food by Us is for that one-stop shop. It's for integration. It's for just making it smooth for everyone. We were talking just before the podcast about tech brands in hospitality at the moment and how mm. there are so many amazing tech brands doing certain parts of the hospitality experience, whether that be guest experience, order at table, delivery, rostering systems, supply chain stuff like yours, accounting, uh, uh, accounting software, <laughs> point of sale yeah. software, yeah, yeah. apps, all this stuff. The work that I do in my consultancy, a lot of the time is around tech stacks and, and analyzing mm. tech stacks for brands um, and seeing what can work the best, right? Like what role do you think tech brands like yours and others that are doing really great in the marketplace, what role do you think they have to play to sort of play nicely with each other, with other tech brands to make sure there can be sort of a holistic solution, which can not, mm. obviously not work perfectly together, right? Because they're different things for different parts of the business, but at mm. least can sort of play well together and, and mm. not be super confusing for the venue owner. A hundred percent. There's there's such a big opportunity there, I think, for the industry and not just the tech side of it, but the whole, the industry as a whole. Three. I, I think there's three kind of parts to it. I think part one, all the tech players need to realize that in the eyes of the venue, we're all solutions. And it is no good coming in and just talking about QR ordering or just talking about point of sale or just talking about procurement. Ultimately, an owner is looking at all of us as a suite of solutions. And so it, it, it's crazy to deny that we're all just doing our things separately. We're not in the eyes of the business that we're trying to serve. So that's, that's kind of part one of it. And part two is the tech players should realize that they're all doing what they do really, really, really well. And so that core focus i think so fubas just does you know, back of house procurement we don't do accounting we integrate with zero and, and mild for that you know we don't do point of sale we integrate with the point of sale providers for that you know what i mean so knowing what you're good at i think from a tech point of view allows focus and then the third part is bringing it all together to say well they view us as one from a venue point of view and we're all really good at what we do individually a rising tide is going to float all boats sort of thing why why don't we all integrate together and you're right it's not always going to be a perfect fit but the more we try the more we help the venue understand these are other tech solutions for things that i don't solve as fubas but i think that deputy does a great job or lightspeed or whatever whatever why not consider these and the more we all talk about it as a unified hospital tech industry the better i think for all of us and and in particular for the venues 
That, that's how I kind of see it. And I only think it's going to gather momentum in this post-COVID world because yeah. tech was really, really, I think, instrumental to keeping a lot of venues afloat during the lockdowns. And so now is a good opportunity to kind of all get together. As a business with the three of you, like with so much tech that is developing in different, in different spaces of hospitality, how do you guys make sure you're nurturing those connections with other hospitality tech brands and, and making sure you're ahead of the curve of what's, of what's going on as well is about just mm. constantly building relationships with people that you hear about are doing great stuff. The, the way that we build food by us, because we're, we're technologists, you know, we, we don't, we're not procurement experts. So the way that we've built the whole solution is by listening. We'll go in and we listen to the customer, everything from how often are you ordering and who is ordering to what do you need? How does it change by seasons? You know, da, 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 da. And if you listen, your customer, you will very quickly hear the other problems they're having and the other tech that they're using or want to use. And they'll ask you, do you know a good point of sale provider, by the way? You know, oh, you integrate with Zero, That's great. Da, da, da. So all, all those different sorts of things, I think, come out when you're chatting to the customer. And, and so off of that, I think it's natural as a business to then reach out to some of these guys, as we do frequently, and say, hey, here's a venue. You know, they need this kind of solution or they're wondering deciding between you and, and someone else. Do you want to go chat to them? Things like that, I think, are always the way that, that we do it. Yes, there's research and it's nice to see what's happening overseas and, and what's sort of thinking of coming here. But ultimately, the real problems are the ones faced on the ground. And then and that's what your customers are going to tell you. This is the problem I'm having today. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Do you find when you guys look to overseas and maybe what's happening, a bit like how restaurants and cafes will look to what's happening in America probably as the leader in America and the UK and say, okay, mm -hmm. that trend's happening or we're seeing that happening. It's going to come in Australia in the next sort of six months. Is, is the same sort of thing happening with tech or are, you, or are you thinking that it's very localized in what those solutions are in those different markets around the world? I think that we can be leaders. We're not always looking to America or Europe when it comes to hospitality technology solutions. And I think a large driver of that is the way that our industry is, is fragmented over here. So there's a very high, disproportionately high amount of independent venues in Australia. It's the majority of the wholesale food market here is going into these, these independent you know, mom and dad cafes or burger stores or whatever. And that means that the solutions that come out of here in Australia, I think, can be really optimized for those small to medium businesses. And it may not always be the case in America, say, where the fragmentation is a little different and, and perhaps a bit more concentration on the buy side and on the supply side. Yeah, I mean, to, to answer your question, I, I think it is a question of kind of looking a little bit at what's going on there, but also understanding the uniqueness of how our industry is structured here. And there's a lot of really good homegrown tech here. And some of that is even making its way overseas the other way. I think hospitality in Australia is unique and, and the tech scene can, can kind of also be quite a front runner. So it's definitely a very interesting time for you know hospitality tech and just tech in general in Australia and the fact that you know, obviously brands like Mr. Yum doing a $90 million raise and, mm. and Canberra mm. and Afterpay and all these brands doing extremely well. It must make you feel really confident that you guys have built, built this product, you know, in the right ecosystem at the moment in the world. We, we certainly feel that. I mean, we're, we're looking around and there's always versions-ish kind of, you know, of, of this human side or marketplace side or whatever you want to call it within sort of wholesale food or within hospitality. But we have an eye on that. But we also think you know, what we've built here with, with Fubas is, is unique and, and quite ahead of the curve. And so even though when we see similarities, we can often see, ah, you know, they've, they've missed this piece or they're yet to build that piece. It, it is, I think, an exciting time for technology in Australia, but also, yeah, within the hospitality space as well. 
a couple of questions before I let you go. Um, I did mention in the intro there that obviously the team, your team has grown by 50% in the last 12 months and that's mm. extremely good, right? And I can imagine with a brand like yours, even though we are talking about tech, as you grow, you need a lot more humans in order to develop that technology and also sell the product. Yes. How, how have you managed to do that and, and grow that team in a really tight market at the moment? Is it, is it something you're doing really well around your staff culture it's like that in order to make sure that you are the top of your game in Sydney? I think the word culture is really hit on something there. So I think that's a, a core part of it. So culture has allowed us firstly to keep our good staff. Obviously, there's a lot of headhunting going on. And, and so a good culture, the right person will stay, even if they can get 10, 20% raise, you know, if, if, if they jump ship, they, they want to be here. Uh, so that's part of it. That same part of culture has also meant that we've got staff who will bring their professional colleagues or friends or whatever into the business. So we've had more than a few referrals from existing staff for, for new people to join. So your, your team are the best ambassadors for your company, I think. And, and that's, that's what we found. So that's another key way. I think that we've been able to, to build that team. The third thing sounds a little silly, uh, but it's absolutely true, which is we're solving a real problem. And, and I know that sounds kind of obvious. You know, why would you start a business if you're not solving a problem? But a lot of people at Food Bios, a lot of people who join, perhaps they're in tech or perhaps you know, they're, they're in any sort of company where they don't feel like where they are is really solving a, a true problem faced uh, either by consumers or by that industry. Whereas it is obvious if you go into any kitchen in any independent venue in, in Australia, there's probably a blackboard or a whiteboard where they're writing orders down and there's probably bits of paper flying around. There's probably four or five people doing the ordering across 15 or 20 supplies. You know, it, it is a genuine problem. Yep. And we really are solving it. And, and we've, we've got Google reviews and other private emails and things like that of venues that have said, you've saved my business. You've yeah. saved me from going under, you know, and you can, there's some online you can look at. So it's a genuine help. And I think people feel good about that. And so they kind of want to join a company that's that's doing that. Yeah, th those are kind of the things I think that have allowed us to grow the team. And how are you looking about the team like moving forward? Like I know a couple of tech brands have said, oh, you never need to come into an office again and that kind of stuff. And there's this mm. hybrid model that's going about things. Like how are you guys sort of thinking about, you know, your people management at the moment, if I can ask you? I think it's a little hard when there are so many new starters to set the culture and keep it going. Uh, yeah. when everyone's working from home so certainly i mean it's 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 voluntary for people to come in obviously we're we're still not quite through covid but i have found it's better to have people in the office uh, it's not a question of watching them and questioning whether they're doing their job that's not it at all yeah. it's a question of new starters feeling part of it and understanding who people are and and, and, and where they fit in the company. Uh, in particular, we're in the hospitality industry. So everyone in Food Bios is really friendly. You know, people love people, all of that. And, and that's the industry we're in for no other reason other than people want to come in. <laughs> ha ha happy, happy to have that. It's not to say that there aren't pockets of the company that prefer working at home or it's easier for them, you know, particularly the product team, like the web developers. If they don't want to come in, no problem. And often they're better and quieter and calmer and they code better when they are at home so that that's fine too we're looking to grow as well in terms of the team you know we're already in sydney melbourne brisbane we want to grow further and i think getting people together is is a key way where you pass the torch on of that the cultural side so yeah my final question to you ben is 
what are you looking for for 2022? I mean, this brand that is growing exponentially the last couple of years, like are there mm. any sort of new updates about what, you, what you're planning for the brand that you can share and what are you focused on? Firstly, I mean, in a sentence, very excited for 2022. Uh, I, I think hospitality has been through a lot. We've certainly had our ups and downs in, in the past year or two. We've managed to grow well. I think 2022 is a year we grow seriously well, where those headwinds are reduced or even removed. So that's what I feel. I think the whole industry feels the same way. In terms of food by us, there's a lot more we can do within the cities we're in. Plus, we can go to more cities. But I mean, you know, there's sort of 80, 90,000 independent venues. If you look at, say, an Uber Eats or a menu log, I mean, they've got 30, 35,000 venues sitting on there. Yes. Uh, and those are mostly independent. So we're, we're north of a thousand, but it's still a long way to go. So point one is grab more venues, you know, really, really scale the solution, get that out there. But we're also looking at adding more categories. You know, we now do hospitality supplies. In fact, I noticed you mentioned Chef's Hat. So, you know, there's a lot, a, a lot more we can be selling. We, we do alcohol, we do obviously fruit, fed, seafood. So more and more categories is good. And other services, I think, that we can offer you know, to, to our existing and, and new venues, um, whether that be more integrations, uh, you know, offering them more payment options, things like that, I think mm -hmm. are, are all ways that we can grow. So, yeah, be, very exciting. Awesome, man. Ben, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. What's... What's the best way that people can find out about Food Bars? Because I know there's going to be, I'm sure some people who want to get in contact and learn a bit more. Yeah. Best way is to just go to our website, foodbyus.com. And I would say that tap the explainer video, 60 seconds, it won't take long. And in an instant, I think you'll, you'll get what we do. I'll make sure I link that up in the show notes of this podcast so you can check it out. Ben, thanks so much for your time. Yeah. Thank you very much, Sean. Thanks again for tuning into another episode of Principle of Hospitality. I hope you really enjoyed that one. I know I definitely enjoyed it and learned a lot. So it was really, really good. Now, please comment, like, and share this podcast with your friends in the industry. As always, we're making this content with the industry in mind. So we'd really appreciate you sharing it a lot along, I should say. Thanks always to our supporter, the largest family owned and operated hospitality supplier in Australia, Chef's Hat, where the industry shops. And obviously, if you don't know us at Poe, Satch, my co-founder, has one of the best design agencies in Australia, Principal Design. So you can check them out at principaldesign.com.au and myself at Open Pantry Consulting for anything to do about systems and processes and even tech stacks to make your business run even more smoothly. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode. Thanks to Chef Sat for supporting us. And until next time, stay safe, everyone.